This is Trinity Western University's Chapel Podcast, where our daily chapel gatherings are captured and shared for the TWU community. Whatever your day looks like today, we're glad you're tuning in. It's great to be here. We've all had a Christmas break. Time away from our day-to-day routines, time with friends, family, Christmas carols, your favorite food, and perhaps Netflix. I hope and pray that your Christmas break was a time of refreshment, a time of renewal, a time of reconnecting with friends and family, and a time of rest, and that you've returned to Trinity ready for a new year, ready for all that God has in store for you. It's great that you're here. And as you begin another semester, a new year, the beginning of an entirely new decade, it is good to ask a simple question. Why here? Why here? You could have studied at many different schools. You could have enrolled at another university. And yet, by God's providence, you are here, which begs the question, why is Trinity here? Christ teaches that the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And that the second is like it, Love your neighbor as yourself. But where in the world can you find a clear, compelling, fully integrated vision of what that looks like? For this, you need a Christian university. And this is exactly what Trinity Western is committed to providing you with. You see, in the 12th century, there was a man by the name of Hugh. His name got extended to Hugh of St. Victor because in 1120, Hugh became the head of the school of St. Victor in Paris. And Hugh believed that the point of a Christian institution of learning is to restore the image of God. He also believed that a Christian school is uh, a key to setting this context in which you will grow into the likeness of God. Hugh believed that Christian schools can be used by God to restore in you God's image, and that we do this through a very particular kind of strategy. We do this by deepening your friendship with God. And we deepen this friendship through helping you to connect worship thinking, and your deepest love. So listen to how St. Victor captures how you should think about your time at Trinity. He writes this, and forgive the non-inclusive language, but this was the 12th century. Let no man excuse himself. Let no man say, I am not able to build a house for the Lord. My property does not suffice for such an expensive project. I have no place in which to build it. He goes on. 
You shall build a house for the Lord out of your own self. He himself will be the builder. Your heart will be the place. Your thoughts will supply the material. You see, you were created to represent God in the world. And you learn how to do this by having a deep, intimate, lasting, meaningful friendship with God. And how wonderful it is that you're at a university that sees this as our calling. And with this in mind, please join me in prayer. Holy Lord, we know that whenever you call men and women to preach, you take the risk of putting your treasure in fragile earthen vessels so that the excellency of power may be of you and not of us. Come, Holy Spirit, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. So let's listen together to the teaching of Jesus in Matthew 5, verses 13 to 16. Christ says, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Now, there's a, a huge difference between Jesus saying, you are called to be, or I invite you to become, or work hard to do this. That's on the one hand. There's a huge difference between those sentences and what Jesus says here. Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth. But what does Jesus mean by declaring that we are this? And if you're good at chemistry, this entire verse at first blush is confusing. Jesus says, you're the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything. And if you're good at chemistry, you know that sodium chloride is extremely stable, and it cannot lose its saltiness. So what's going on? This happens to be, I suggest, the glorious place at which the value of a liberal arts education comes into play. It, you see, it's one thing to know chemistry. It's another thing to know literature and to know the force of a literary device called a hyperbole. Jesus is using a figure of speech in order to disclose a profound mystery. Having come to faith in Christ, you have been granted an entirely new identity, a new calling. You are now something that you weren't previously. The answer to the question, who are you, or what is God's call upon your life, is answered by Jesus in this simple way. You are the salt of the world, the salt of the earth. 
And all of the language about salt losing its saltiness, thus no longer being good for anything, is a way of getting us to realize the following truth. You should live and act in ways consistent with who you are as a child of God. You see, from the beginning of time, human beings were called to bear or represent the image of God. And while the fall has dramatically hurt us, it's wounded our ability to fully and faithfully represent the image and likeness of God. Salvation in Christ is the point at which creation begins anew. The change that has occurred in us by virtue of salvation is profound, it's radical. No longer are we bound by the fall with the result that our creatureliness is no longer the deepest and most profound truth about us. Who we are, your identity, if you will, is not in the end strictly the byproduct of your DNA. Nor for that matter, is it the consequence of the inevitable outworking of your race, gender, sexuality, economic class, IQ, the number of Instagram followers you have, your shooting percentage, or your GPA. No, for a child of God, the question of identity, who are you really, has everything to do with the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Listen to Paul in Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. So, returning to Jesus' teaching in Matthew, you are the salt of the earth, so live as salt. Be of use to God and the world. Be your redeemed self in Christ. Now, a number of things could be said at this point in an effort to help us gain a clear understanding of what it means to be salt. But time permits us the opportunity to just evoke one evocative image. Salt is only really useful when it's pressed into the service of others. You see, in the ancient world, salt was used to preserve that which would otherwise decay. In the absence of refrigeration, salt was an essential means of protecting meat and fish, proteins that could be used to sustain life. And we live in a culture where there are many things that need to be protected from decay. As salt, you are to offer yourself, your gifts, your talents, to the mission of cultural renewal, care, and flourishing. Wherever you work, study, or live, there will be opportunity to protect, preserve, and advance the well-being of creation and cultures. You will bear the image of God to the degree that you learn how to live this fully integrated life of self-giving. 
When Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth, he is saying, follow me and work to preserve and sustain the world and cultures that I have given you. So that's the first part. The second is this. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So in the same way that salt has its value only when pressed into service, the value of light has everything to do with what it offers to others. Think, if you will, of the joy and beauty that Christmas lights have brought to our campus this season. Jesus insists that you are the light of the world. So what could this mean for you this semester? God has raised you from darkness, sin, and death to new life, identity, and purpose in Christ. And as a new creation, you are the light of the world. And in the same way that no one would light a lamp and put it under a bowl, God has not given you life, salvation, forgiveness, and joy for you to hide or cover this up. And again, one of the most important jobs that a Christian university can do for you is to be for you the kind of community of faith that teaches you how to connect worship, thinking, and your deepest loves to God and neighbor. The truth of the matter is this. Very few of us could do this alone. A faithful and obedient life is hard to do by yourself. We were never called to do it alone. We are called to go out into the world to carry in word and deed the good news that the kingdom has come. And we are to do so as members of the body and mission of God. In the same way that Trinity has an obligation to provide you with an intellectually vital and compelling grasp on reality, we also need to encourage you to find and commit to being at home in the church. You see, you are called to deep and faithful fellowship, and only in a community of faith can you experience and learn the meaning of forgiveness, humility, where you learn and see what it means to practice kindness, hospitality, gentleness, forbearance, and you come to experience a deep and abiding fellowship and joy. Christ does not leave you alone. He gives you each other. He gives you the church. And it is the character and mission of God to bring light and life to all that he has made. And so instead of remaining aloof, God moves confidently, definitively, powerfully towards us. And he does so in order to heal, restore, and renew all that has been hurt and damaged by the fall. And so in Matthew's gospel, we learn that in Christ, we have been given a remarkable calling and purpose. We are salt and light. 
Before I close, I think it might be good to give you an example. The example I want to share with you is found in the life, theology, and action of the, one of the most important civil rights leaders of the 20th century, the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr. Martin Luther King, Jr. taught and practiced a form of Christian love that took the form of active, nonviolent resistance. Towards the end of Matthew chapter 5, Jesus says, You have heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. In the same way, MLK insisted on a form of political and moral resistance that required an abiding commitment to protect the dignity and humanity of the oppressor. So one day, while autographing books in Blumenstein's department store, a 42-year-old black woman walked up to him and said, are you Dr. King? To which King answered, yes, I am. And at this point, she says, Luther King, I've been after you for five years. And in a flash, the woman pulled out a letter opener and plunged it into Martin's chest. Bleeding internally, Martin touched the edge of the knife and cut his own hand. When he was finally stable and had the opportunity to speak, he said this, this person needs help. She is not responsible for the violence she has done to me. Don't do anything to her. Don't prosecute her. Get her healed. You see, this is a powerful example of what it means to be salt and light in the world. It demonstrates what a mature Christian response to violence and hatred looks like. Martin Luther King learned what it means to practice forgiveness in the face of persecution, to extend love to haters, to seek reconciliation with those whose brokenness has led them to lose their way. Indeed, this is what it means for us to be salt and light in the world. We do not love others because they have proven themselves worthy of your friendship and charity and care. You love them because they are the objects of God's love. And if we wish to follow Christ, if we wish to truly name Christ as our Lord, if we wish to bear the image of God and faithfully represent our Lord in the world, we cannot and must not stray from this path. You are here. You attend a remarkably fine Christian university. And our job is to give you an education that draws you into a profound experience of worship, thinking, and the love of God. I am so glad that you are here. None of us will ever have this setting, this moment, this time again in our lives. So make the most of this opportunity. And as you leave today, remember this profound truth. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. 
and salt and light are only really valuable when they are pressed into the service of others. Be salt and light today. In the name of the risen Christ, go in peace. Thanks for joining us today. We hope that this message has challenged, encouraged, and inspired you as we continue learning and growing together in discipleship to Jesus. Every week, you'll find new chapel messages on our channel from local and international speakers ranging in diverse and engaging topics. So go ahead and subscribe for the latest of what's going on in chapel. Much love and happy listening.